Swiss cheese by a drill and shit. And welcome <laughs> to the Down and Front Podcast, yes. the official podcast of downandfrontpodcast.com. If this is your first episode tuning in, we want to say thanks so much for joining. Thanks so much for tuning in. We thoroughly appreciate it. What we usually do here in the Down and Front Podcast is that we're reviewing movies, TV shows, video games, all a bunch of stuff while having our favorite alcoholic or regular beverages. And tonight, we are going to give you a full review of <laughs> Captain Marvel, the latest installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe by director Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, um, starring I was going to say Allison Brie. <laughs> no, Brie Larson, <laughs> Samuel Jackson, and a bunch of other people. But before we get into all that, we're going to do a bit of a roundtable. We're going to talk about what else we've been watching. We're going to talk a little bit about what we're drinking. And then we're going to give uh, a couple of different nice shout-outs uh, after. As always, I'm going to start with the beautiful, the amazing, one of my best friends. We grew up back in Tennessee years ago, the mouth of the South, Mr. Brylan. Brylan, what's going on, man? How's it going? What else have you been watching? What you sipping on tonight? Hey, how's it going this evening? Uh, right now, what I'm sipping on, I actually bought beer tonight, and I was trying to find something that had a 90s theme to it, and I think I misshot it by a few years, which I think is okay, because when you get old, just the details just start blending together. <laughs> so I got an IPA from Evil Genius Beer Company called yeah. Stacy's Mom. Oh, and so that's a great song. <laughs> and so I thought it was a 90s song, but I was wrong. Um, the other beer I was looking at had a um, female air pilot on it called Jess, but I didn't want to get that one because it was in a can. What I've been watching recently is I just finished watching a documentary series on Netflix called Losers. Uh, I really enjoyed this series. It's all about different people in sports that. Uh, that didn't really make it to getting the big championship or anything, but they were able to overcome their failures and still lead these amazing lives. So they actually profile people like Surya Bonnelly, who's a famous figure skater from France, or a golf, French golfer that almost won the British Open the first time a French person would win in over 100 years, but he missed it just because... He took a big risk rather than playing the safe bet. I thought it was a really cool series to watch and it's just a nice reminder just like what we're going to talk about today hey when someone knocks you down you always want to get back up see what you can make of it yeah i really really enjoyed that series i've only saw like maybe two or three episodes but i was like absolutely captivated by just yeah. how they were just talking about the fact that even though you lose it doesn't necessarily mean that you lose anything you're even the losers are the biggest winners i think that's like one of their taglines um so i it was really digging that uh French figure skater episode that was probably like a really uh, big one for me. Yeah, yeah, I remember that live in the Olympics, and so uh, I it was really cool to see how she took it and get more from her perspective on that uh, situation. Cool. Well, as always, it's great to see your face. 
Um, it's great to have you on. So I'm super excited to get your thoughts, especially that one of our resident Marvel uh, fanatics is not here because we don't really like him that much anyway. So that's okay. Jesse? Uh, I taught him everything he knows. <laughs> exactly. So this is even better. Even <laughs> better. Uh, I'm going to toss it over to another one of my best friends. We sometimes sip on wine, but she doesn't really like me um, all the time. But we are huge Harry Potter fans. Megan with 3,000 E's. Arnold, how's it going? What you sipping on tonight? And what else have you been watching? It's going great. Thanks for asking. Um, I am sipping on Troublemaker Red Blend, Mm -hmm. which I thought was very fitting for this movie um and lately i've been watching the umbrella academy on netflix i actually just finished it um really enjoyed it i kind of want everyone to watch it so i can talk to people about it um and after that ended i started watching Shit's creek which i hear is hilarious okay uh (laughs) I was cu- I'm curious to kind of talk about that a little bit more, the Umbrella Cal- Academy, uh, but I'm not going to talk about it just now because I'm going to toss it over to our other special guests here. But I also watched it, so we definitely need to chat about it. But it's always great to have you on. Uh, I think the last episode we had you on was the Fantastic Beasts. the internet. Back oh, wait. to back. Yeah. Ooh, fancy. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. So great to see your face. I'm going to toss it to my other best friend. It's exponentially more of a best friend than Abbott and Kyle and Brylin combined. Ooh. No one really likes Blewett. Megan's kind of separate, but she's still okay. <laughs> Maddox, what's going on? Great to see your face. I, I know you were on a couple of Fear Boners since our last official podcast. I do keep up with that. It's <laughs> great to have you on. Uh, how are you? What else have you been watching? And what are you currently sipping on tonight? Hello. I am currently drinking it's the Exhibit A Goody Two Shoes. I promised I'd be drinking an IPA, and I am. Um, I have also been watching the Umbrella Academy, and I didn't love it. Mm. I mean, it was there, and it <laughs> stuff. Um, but yeah, it just it didn't do it for me. I was annoyed watching it, and I like kind of forced myself through it. Um, so probably within the next 48 hours, I'm going to switch from being like, it's not caring about it to absolutely hating it. So usually how I go. Well, Maddox is always is great to have you on. I'm super excited to get your take talking about kind of Captain Marvel, especially I feel like you're one of the biggest, uh, comic book people I know. So I'm very excited to have you on. Thanks. Uh, I'm going to toss it over to the shredder. I guess he's not my best friend, but he's all right. Um, we deal with them, right? So we kind of have to like, ugh. Mike Blewett, what's going on, man? It's good to see your face. Uh, what you sipping on and what else have you been watching? It's great being the guy that edits these things because you have to keep <laughs> on inviting me back. Um, hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, all y'all down in Ryan Dowd. Um, so this week I'm sipping on my favorite brewery of this year, uh, Down the Road Brewery. They make a combination with um where is it i think it's dock street brewery basically it is a golden ale with tea and honey and it's freaking delicious i'm gonna sleep like a baby after this thing um plus the can art is super like boston ish centric i don't know i i love down the roads um 
can art. It's really the reason I started drinking it and the beer's solid too. And it's a great combo. I wouldn't think that tea and beer would go well together, but it really does. Uh, as for what I've been watching, the last couple days have been pretty busy. Uh, I did rewatch the Avengers again on my road to Endgame, Um, and it was kind of funny seeing it immediately after, uh, Captain Marvel, uh, because of all the obvious, you know, ties into, um, the, the, the two movies. Uh, my big thing though, um, I was pretty busy, couldn't see any sort of TV or movies, but I did accomplish one lifetime goal and I saw Kelly Clarkson live in concert. <laughs> and let me tell you this, that shit can sing. Oh my God. It was, I was freaking out the entire, what she played for like two hours or something. She ended with stronger <laughs> and since you've been gone. And that might be the happiest six, seven minutes of my entire life. Wait, you, this was a live concert. I, I, yes. Like this was a documentary <laughs> oh. you watched. No, oh, no, no. I, saw shirt, her, I saw her at the garden. That's great. It I didn't was, know that. Oh, it was so unbelievable. It's like I I was giddy the entire time. Just hit after hit. Show them the t-shirt. Ah, uh, it's in my car. Uh, you bought a t-shirt? I bought my concert? first black concert t-shirt in like a decade. Oh, it, it has in red foil lettering Kelly Clarkson a rock. Wait, oh, how do you how do you know? <laughs> Because I've seen it. I wore, I, dude, the, no, dude, that was so brutal. So I had work at eight in the next morning. And then we went out after Kelly Clarkson till like one in the morning. So like getting home after a couple, let's say cocktails, they were beer, but let's just call them cocktails. Um, and then just sleeping for like four hours and then trying to work. I literally, if I hadn't seen Kelly Clarkson, I would have fallen asleep at work. I was just straight up so adrenaline rushed. <laughs> this is great. I, I that <laughs> took me completely. I, I didn't realize. Sorry, that, that's great. So, uh, okay, cool. Well, it's great to have you on. Uh, it's great to see your face as usual. Uh, I know you are also a super fan of Marvel. Just about everybody here is a super fan of Marvel. Let's be honest. Uh, but not to like you know diminish your skills. Uh, but it's great to have you on. So I'm excited to get your thoughts, especially to talk about some of the music bits uh, in this uh, movie. Uh, my name is Warren. I will be your host this evening. I am currently sipping on some David's tea called Valerian Night. Uh, it's quite delicious. Uh, I've drink it a lot. And like Bryland, uh, it makes me sleepy. Uh, or was that blew it? But whatever, what you drink it, <laughs> beer, beer makes you sleepy. Uh, so this tea is gonna make me sleepy. I watched a bunch of stuff because I was on vacation and I was probably inhaling like maybe five or six movies a day. It, it was it was heaven. It was great. Um, I ended up watching uh, Mind the, Mind in the Gap and Free Solo. Uh, to see why those were supposed to be better than Mr. Rogers won't you be my neighbor they weren't uh, but I also watched they shall not grow old because that was also another documentary so I was on a big documentary kick really 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 enjoyed this movie uh, I'm not gonna get in too much detail there is like a after credits sort of sequence in which oh Peter you sold us talks about that nice that was an amazing, uh, but you know, the one thing I did want to kind of talk about this particular documentary, not only the, all the technical work that he puts into it, um, 
But there was a section that he talks about, you know, we have all this footage and there's a lot of women that was uh, really, really a huge part of this. And there was a lot of just a lot of other things that he just couldn't tell the story that he wanted to. Like at that point, he wants to tell that story, but that's not the first story he wanted to say. So I really like the fact that he puts a good amount of time in detail of saying that, hey, I know uh, this is anything this not this isn't the things that I focused on while watching and making this movie, but this stuff is here and these people still need to uh, give a lot of credits. Uh, and so all the voices were like of old um, uh, audio bits of like old uh, interviews that was happening. So I just really enjoyed just about everything for this documentary. Like uh, the only really bum thing I have about this actual sh uh, movie was the fact that it's it wasn't playing anywhere i mean it literally took me to get to to watch this we were in a super remote place in stinson beach to go and watch this movie that was barely playing like it wasn't really anywhere in boston or not very long uh and it was kind of a bummer that it feels like it just wasn't kind of a wide release so i really hope that either it goes to um, amazon or more people has a chance to watch this because i really think this documentary is um really really moving and touching especially because his I think great grandfather um, was in the war. <laughs> he yeah. also talks about that. So, yeah. number Jackson, of really good. Big World War One lover. I mean, huge, <laughs> huge, huge World War One <laughs> lover. Like, man, he knew his stuff. So, I think that was actually really, really cool. Um, so, I'm excited about that. So, that's what I've been watching. Um, so, what I'm going to do is raise our glasses and give a couple of shout outs, kind of send a sips to some of the people in our lives or other people that we currently have out there that we want to uh, raise our glasses and says, thank you for being you. Uh, I'll start with uh, Senor Bryland, <laughs> new name tonight. Uh, Bryland, who are you sending your sip to tonight? Uh, I wanted to send my sip out to two ladies that are amazing writers. One that kind of just helped me drive my passion in writing. One is Flannery O'Connor. Uh, she was like one of those first authors that I just fell in love with and why I love writing today. So, uh, if you don't know who she is, she wrote a lot of Southern Gothic novels back in the fifties, but also she, uh, grew up with lupus. So she was basically house ridden and house bound, I guess. I mean, she could not leave her house, uh, in the middle of Georgia. And she was Roman Catholic among all these Protestant people as well. So she had a lot of cards stacked against her, but was still able to become this amazing beloved writer because of that. Uh, so a sip to Flannery O'Connor and also want to give a sip out to Gail Simone because she's probably the top, one of the top writers in comic books right now. She's done amazing work with uh, Batgirl and Deadpool and many other comics. So she's also been able to define a lot of the personalities of Deadpool that we love today as well. So here's a sip to Flannery O'Connor and Gail Simone. Thank you much. Uh, Megan, who you got? Um, I like to stick with a good theme. So I'd like to send a sip to the women of the Air Force, past, present, and future, because um, I feel like this movie really showed a side of things that we maybe never would have talked about. So cheers to that. Uh, I dig that. And I also like a lot of the references that we're going to talk about uh, a little bit later in this movie. So that was actually really cool. Uh, Maddox, what you got for me? Um, I think I'm going to call out Kelly Sue DeConnick. I'm not sure if that's how you say her last name, but she wrote some of the Captain Marvel comic books. Uh, she's also a really good writer in general. Um, and she's been pretty hilarious on Twitter lately. <laughs> I think there's like a special skill that I want to get funny on Twitter. Um, so I need to like start following her, get some tips. 
follow her and Gail Simone. Gail Simone honors people on Twitter, and it is best. I'm about to do that right now. That's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little bit nervous uh, because he has some notes here, but uh, Blewett, who are you sitting (laughs) here to to sit to tonight? I mean, is it obvious? S- keeping Kelly with Clarkson? the theme of oh yeah, it's definitely <laughs> <Kelly> Clarkson. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Kelly Clarkson, come on, come on, dude. Oh yeah, so great. Uh, it was such a, like a woman power weekend between Captain Marvel and then the next day was Kelly Clarkson. Oh, so great. Um, oh, dude, you should have seen. It. She came out and did a moment uh, like this <laughs> in like this gorgeous black gothic like ball gown. And then just like like pretty much acoustically, just basically by herself, singing that damn song that launched your career. Woo! It was so great. <laughs> so send us uh, up to Kelly Clarkson. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm gonna send a sip to Lashana Lynch. Uh, she's actually in this movie, uh, and she plays uh, Maria Rambo. I believe that's the pronounce her last name. Just because I wanted to see her way more in this film. I think her character was a bit of a side character that we were introduced way too much time past uh, since we actually saw this woman, and she actually hasn't been in too many actual movies. So I'm really excited to see. Hopefully, this kind of like kick and jump starts her actual career. I think this also be really cool. Uh, and also another one I wanted to mention was the younger version of Carol Danvers. I've seen her in movies before. I can't remember what her name is, but she's also great. So I will go back and look up her name. Uh, Jungle uh, version. They, I think it was only one, wasn't it? There's two. Oh, it was so like age six and age twelve. Uh, maybe the age, the one that got into that uh, golf car, cart. the co- golf cart accident. That was yeah. great. That was a golf cart go kart. Go kart, golf cart. Very different. My <laughs> bad. So I am dedicating my sips to you. Thanks so much for your performance. So we have gotten into our spoiler section, and this is going to be fun. So if you have not seen Captain Marvel, what's wrong with you? Come on. Go check out the movie. Hit pause. We will be right back on a quick break for a full spoiler edition of Captain Marvel. So we'll see you soon. back and we are the down in front podcast we have a couple of special guests with megan and maddox and tonight we are giving you a full spoiler edition review of captain marvel so if you haven't seen this movie we will be spoiling it and that's on you because you probably should check this movie out for sure uh we're going to break up this movie into a couple different sections so as usual we're going to talk about the acting we're going to talk about the characters we're going to get into the story we'll talk a bit more of how this kind of fits into the marvel cinematic universe itself and then one of the last sections we will talk about it's just the empowerment of women how that feels how the movie kind of stands up to that uh if it was good or bad and kind of have a discussion about that um so i'm going to go ahead and toss it on over uh to brylin it says brylin how about your boy about the acting and characters of captain marvel 
Uh, yeah, so I'm going to start off. Uh, let's start off with the man herself, Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Veers, Brie Larson. Uh, I think that she did a really great job with this version of uh, Captain Marvel. Uh, it's definitely a very MCU-ish take on the character. And um, because Captain Marvel's comic book history is very problematic. And it's, so it's probably better that they just stuck to like more of the modern uh, definitions of who Captain Marvel is. Uh, and I think that Brie Larson brought a lot of importance uh, maturity to this character but also had a lot of fun at the same time it is really cool to see her grow but still keep her edge at the end so that's one thing that uh, i kind of like about captain marvel is that she is like a no bullshit character regardless of what side she's on uh and um i thought uh that there's some really cool moments in this movie that uh, make her shine. I mean, they definitely have the montages of her having to overcome adversity, whether it's uh, like having men just put her down with like terrible puns or just tell her that she's going to fail, even if it's coming from her own family members. Uh, but she's always getting back up. And that's the really cool thing about Captain Marvel. It's, um, that she's not going to let anything back her down. And I also think that it culminates into this really cool moment where we see like Captain Marvel's powers just get unleashed because it's not driven by um, something special that the Creed did for her or anything. It's a very human thing where she remembers all these moments that even though they were tough and horrible for her, she actually gets back up every single one and keeps on going. And so that's just like a very cool uh, character trait of Captain Marvel. No matter what the odds are, she's going to get back up and keep on fighting, which I thought was really cool. I really like that element they kind of added to the movie because it seems as though like we kind of saw a little bit of Captain America uh, in the first movie and... Um, I mean, actually, throughout every Captain America movie I can think of, he always kind of kept getting up and kept fighting. It talks about kind of fighting for the little person and kind of um, doing things that it seems like for somebody like sort of else. And uh, and even in um, looking at the um, Into the Spider Verse, you know, get, uh, you know, Spider Man will always kind of get back up. So I'm really glad that they took something that was familiar, but still put in a sense of kind of resiliency of yeah, those those guys those men feel free to kind of get back up there's nothing kind of holding them back but people are literally saying women can't fly her uh like you was talking about her father was kind of holding her back and then there's other stuff too when we kind of get into jude law's character and uh even for a moment you know annette benning's character is kind of holding her back but she was playing a different one so i like the fact that in this movie they kind of translated that but they also put it on a bit of a twist because in real life you know, women, and for a long time, has still been kind of put down and still to this day have been. So it's nice to see something similar yet different and how it's an impact on people uh, who actually want to go and watch and kind of gather more um, of a feeling for this movie. Yeah. Um, also, uh, liked, uh, I actually loved that bedding in here. Um, her, I mean, one, I love her hair, like her white hair as a super intelligence or her hair as, uh, Dr. Lawson, AKA Marvell was really cool too. I think they give her a lot of fun with those, um, 
contacts that she had too, which was really neat. Uh, but I liked her just kind of demeanor where she was kind of laid back, but she was also very uh, nurturing of Carol and Monica uh, for who she wanted them to be and also what they should strive for. Um even if she is an alien from another planet. And I really thought that Annette Benning brought a lot to the, those characters that she played, um, especially Marvella, because we'd get some brief moments with her, but we can definitely tell that she has this really cool, strong mentorship to her, but that's also grounded in a very rational tone, which I thought was really cool. And then when she's the Supreme Intelligence, she definitely like just, elevates it to 11 with the kind of just demeaning of trying to like make Carol think that she can't defeat an omnipotent AI, uh, which uh, Carol definitely shows her otherwise, but I thought that was really cool. I I guess I was bummed because majority of Annette Bening's character was evil in this movie, but she was a good person. She was on like the good side of it. But from all the things that we've heard her say, her actions, she was just being being the supreme intelligence. Um, so I'm kind of bummed about that because all the good stuff that we heard about her was like a flashback or it's kind of like an aside from, you know, Maria Rambo and when Carol kind of got some of her memories back. It was bummed because I really love her as an actress. Uh, she can do, she's probably the best actress in this movie. She's probably the best actor and actress performer in this movie by far, I think. Uh, but we don't really get a lot from her, uh, so I think I was kind of kind of bumped. No, no, not not sure, Brylin. Not sure, Blewett. Mendelssohn oh, I mean, turned you, in a great performance in this one. I mean, if if you look at her career and body of work, I would say yes. Mm, we can argue about that later. Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, so I, I mean, the majority of her lines, she basically played the supreme intelligence first and almost as if she was the villain in this movie um but her character meant so much to brie larson this character you know carol especially because she was manifested as a supreme intelligence that's the person or that's the being that you have the closest connection to where when we got in this movie we saw that you know carol's gonna have probably from what we've gotten a closer relation with Maria Rambo, or more so than Wendy Lawson. So I'd like to really see. I know it comes in flashbacks, and I get that there's a lot of stuff that's not quite told. But at least show me in the movie why it's manifested as supreme intelligence is going to be, you know, Wendy Lawson to Carol, and why isn't it Maria? So that was kind of a bummer for that. But you know, I still enjoyed it. I think because they it, it made it seem like. Lawson was the the end goal, whereas Rambo was like an equal. Mm. You know, they were best friends. They were probably tighter, but uh, it's made it seem that it's not what you know the best. It's what you respect the most. And like, look, yeah, but like, I really yeah. like I like you as a friend, Warren, but I respect <laughs> Bryland more. So like the Supreme yeah. Intelligence would come in looking like Bryland. Oh, yeah. I'm not. Su- I'm not surprised. <laughs> I knew. I, I. I knew. I should have known where that was going when right. you said it. But I will say uh, this: it definitely wouldn't come in looking like Megan, for sure. I mean, because <laughs> no one likes Megan. No. But like, even. But even for your point there, uh, blew it. Like, if that's the case, you know, 
we get information from like almost an aside from Maria's character saying, well, Dr. Lawson was the one who allowed us to actually fly. We couldn't fly because we were women. And that was back in the day we were, we weren't allowed to fly. And so she gave us the opportunity to do that. Uh, and so I was kind of bummed that I understand how you're talking about kind of respecting and stuff like that, but I, I rather actually see that. I'd rather us, you know, see that in action. Show me that in actual, like, not only in the script is somebody saying that about a separate character, but show me that. Show me a scene. Show me a cutscene. Show me a flashback. Like, the it, the possibility was there. They just, I guess, didn't do it. Yeah, and also I wanted to just talk about Liz Shonaland for a bit just because I think she's the MVP of the movie for me. Um, I loved her take on Maria Rambo, her no bullshit attitude to things and her friendship with Carol, it feels so honest and authentic that it's probably the strongest part of this movie is that friendship they have to rekindle to kind of jog Carol's memory again. Uh, they have like a very, really cool moment at the end when Carol just kind of figures out like this lost past that she has. And I think that's probably one of the strongest moments of the movie. Uh, but Lashana Lynch, even when she like meets uh, Talos for the f- first time, she's just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me about these aliens and shit. And she just like has this uh, no bullshit attitude about it. And I loved her so much. And I like that she got to do even cool pilot things uh, along with Carol that, um, I want to see like a whether it's Pulsar or Spectrum or Captain Marvel as well. I mean, go ahead and give her her own project to work on. I just want to see her that much again. Well, it's going to be her daughter. That's what I'm It'll saying. Be her they, daughter? Should, they should bring her back as her daughter because then oh, okay. you get the same actress in like the level of that, performance. That'd be weird. I'm fine with it. That doesn't work. <laughs> oh, also, um, that- Brett. I'm from the 90s. You don't grow up looking back like her. Technically, she is. Uh, Brown, also, Mendelssohn put in the, the best uh, performance of this movie. Mendelssohn dude, was great. I mean, I would even dude, get a tattoo of him drinking the Coke <laughs> every because scene, it looks so awesome. Every scene he was in, and this is like, uh, I'm assuming somewhat prosthetic, somewhat CGI character. Every scene he was in, he was like, Super engaging. And I'm going to get into this a little bit later, but uh, he had one of the hardest roles to play because much like Annette Benning, where she had to sometimes play a good guy, sometimes play a bad guy. He had to do the same thing where he had to be evil and well, seemingly evil at the start of the movie. And then Vicious, like, loose. like transition over to a more uh, empathetic or a sympathetic uh, type character. I'm going to get in a little bit more into that later, but like his, I thought his performance was, was great. I would have to agree. And honestly, I think the way that he went from the seemingly villain to this truly empathetic character happened so quickly. And for me, I'm not a big fan of like comedy movies because I think they try too hard. What I love are movies that are just funny. And I felt like he is what was so funny about this movie. I laugh out loud in the movie theater, like probably louder than everyone else in the movie theater. And for me, he was one of the huge parts about why I liked the movie. Yeah, I really enjoyed um, him playing Talos slash Keller. Uh, Middleson's care. Um, Middleson? Yeah. Mendelson. 
Mendel's. Uh, I like Ben's. Yeah, Ben. There we go. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like his uh, character in here. Uh, I think I, I, I agree with you, but he also ha- they gave him the most amount to do in this movie. I mean, this dude was in the movie almost every other scene. So I and he's playing he's great. Too. Yeah, but he's also to the point where it's like, oh, I think Annette Bening is a great actress outside. Like her capability of actress is better than anybody else in this movie. But in this movie as a whole. I think it's going to have to go to either Brie Larson, uh, Sam Jackson, or Ben. And I think it's going to be Ben's character, who's probably a little bit better because he was in a lot of sequences in this movie. And he played two different characters, too. And it was kind of like up and down what was actually happening. And it's actually, excuse me, he played, I think, like maybe three different characters because he was actually in as a regular um police chief or whatever that it was talking to a dead alien body. That was creepy. Um, so... I, I definitely agree with you, though. I do I do like it. I'm glad I was getting a bit nervous because I thought it was going to be like a Rogue One character, um, which I felt like it was a bit short and he was kind of pretty one note. And so I was kind of getting a little bit that, but then it also kind of changed and it shifted and he had a bit more of a complex character partway through. So I was really glad that he kind of elevated his ability. He's elevated those characters and it kind of went to a different plane, especially that tearjerker moment that he's like, this dude just wants to get back to his family. Holy shit. Are you kidding me? So I thought that was actually kind of great. That was a nice, uh, that was a nice reveal. Um, And so in this movie, what, what he was giving, although it was kind of a bummer that he had a lot of stuff on his face, uh, he still gave the best performance in this movie. Uh, Dude Law, like, I mean, it reminds me, I should try hard to get cast in one of these Marvel movies because that dude was jacked. Uh, and that, uh, but I mean, his character uh, is kind of obvious what type of character he was. Um, he was going to be the, uh, the, false good guy that turns pretty bad at the end and we definitely see it because i mean anybody hanging out with Corv was it Corvoth and ronan the accuser may not be uh good people and uh it's interesting they're like trying to push the kree as um the good aliens versus uh the evil scrolls which comic books scroll only good scroll is a dead scroll so that was an interesting thing is that the scrolls are actually kind of empathetic characters in this movie um i but, love that uh, i love that plot twist yeah it was interesting i'll really I'll say yeah, yeah because I'll, it's so yeah. if you read the comics this like at least for oh, stuff wait, that wait, wait, wait wait sorry i meant the sorry i was saying the plot twist of drew law being a bad guy oh no are no, you no. talking about oh, that was okay. super that was super <laughs> obvious okay was like, okay yeah. okay i didn't i didn't hate it but it was just like oh yeah and then there's the turn it's his um, eye no. color. His eyes. There's nobody. There's no good guy with yellow eyes. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I like. I don't think the movie. I don't think they ever expected you to think he wasn't going to be a bad guy. Yeah. Like, literally, when I saw that, like when they released the trailer that has her at the crash site and like she sees, you know, I think she sees a scroll shooting, um, her scientist lady friend. I was like, that's totally going to be Jude Law. <laughs> like nice. this is totally like a fake out memory, and it's going to be Jude Law doing that. Um, and I, I think they had enough other twists in the movie where they were like, we're not going to try and trick people into thinking that Jude Law is going to be a bad guy. Um, so to me, that was kind of fun because it wasn't about the twist of Jude Law being a good guy turning bad. It was about his relationship with Carol Danvers and her getting to the end and being like, you know what? I don't have to listen to your bullshit anymore. Like. Yeah. 
So to me, like that, that character still worked. Um, and his eye contacts were cool. I mean, they were totally villain contacts, but they looked really cool. Oh, I know they were great. But I was like, the first time I saw him, I was like, oh, he's a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. I mean, me and Brylin had this joke about like we see the bad guy in one of the opening <laughs> sequences of a lot of movies, and sure enough, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the bad guy. We know this. Yeah, if yeah. there was anybody who exists who was like, I didn't see that coming, I'd be like, really. <laughs> I, I do say this uh, Jude Law's lawyer is really freaking good because you have an alien race of people and then he just looks like a regular dude with yellow eye contacts and it's like he did nothing to make it seem like he was an alien which it didn't yeah. detract from the movie so like don't take that as a criticism at all but I'm just saying that like Marvel has historically done a pretty good job of taking really famous people and just like putting a ton of makeup and effects all over them <laughs> to make it not seem like that, that that's their person. Except for maybe I'm, Glenn but, Close. I mean, they made Tilda Swinton go bald. Like, that's, you know, like, they do stuff like that. And they just basically had Jude Law in the movie. No, Tilda Swinton was probably like, I am going bald this You don't have to. No, look, at, I'm already shaving it. Okay. <laughs> we are but, doing uh, this. <laughs> but I would say, like, you know what? Ronan shouldn't be in this movie. When I first heard uh, that Ronan the Accuser was coming back, I was excited. I like Lee Pace a lot. Um, I thought we would might get like some little backstory of like what caused him to become a zealot. Maybe this was like the linchpin that caused that to happen. Uh, but no, I mean Ronan's just already evil. He just hasn't put the uh, face paint on yet, and uh, he just wants to bomb planets to dust because that's his job, and that's what he thinks is right because no one else is Cree, so all his two lines are all about let's destroy people, and that's it. And I think um, other than that, uh, the other person I have just a big problem with is Samuel L. Jackson in this movie. Uh, with Nick Fury, I understand we we want to find that Nick Fury that is before Avengers initiative, Nick Fury, that isn't jaded, doesn't, hasn't been through the shit yet, who's just getting started with his career. I think that's a cool idea, but I think they just went too over the top with the goofiness of Nick Fury, where it felt like the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. team themselves and the whole secret government agency felt very men in blackish to a comedic point and just like leaned in too much of the comedy and that wasn't really taking their job seriously as we've seen them in the past do. I, can I, can I respond to Ronan first I mean, before I, we all just wreck a Brown for the Nick Fury stuff? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah I, right. I would, I would, I would, I would love to see it where he was just like super serious Nick Fury. And then when he sees goose, that's the only time you see him get all bubbly and silly. That would have made me, I would have thought that would have been awesome. So let's, hang on, let me start on Ronan first. So for me, you know, I came into the movie thinking, all right, awesome. We get to see that, that trigger moment that Ronan goes off um, and becomes his own separate entity. Uh, and then I left the movie, obviously not having got that and actually liking it because to me, the way that the movie flows, they would have had to add a couple more scenes in there to show that. And I think it would have detracted from the overall experience. So for me, I kind of liked 
it's it's like anything else where or any other kind of shared universe where you kind of have people come and go and it, and I really like that he showed up in like okay I I know this character I kind of know some stuff what he's about uh, and then he kind of disappears without too much relevance it's it made the universe feel more lived in rather than you know Cree bomber whatever the other thing the flip side is that he was doing his job uh, that for all. For from his intel, from his special forces uh, team, he said he got the only word that he got was that all right, this is a dangerous planet with a, a weapon on it, and we need to go go secure it. For me, that's a soldier doing their job. To me, there's no difference between that. It, it, you know, go talk to any U.S. you know uh, service member right now. You know, it's like yeah, they got to do some pretty terrible stuff, but like at the same time, that's the job that they volunteered for um you know and if you disagree with it like that's a whole other thing but like um to me that seemed like he got bad intel and he was just there to do a job and get done with it like maybe he was not the most sympathetic person because he didn't think about you know where those projectiles were going but at the same time he's just jaded he's done that to hundreds of other planets you know i'm sure the first one hurt and then and then after that became just all right hey we're Find the target, eliminate the target, on to the next one. Yeah, I think that's like, I mean, you just have to read a lot into the story to get that. That we just get a lot of throwaway lines with him. If if he, there was a scene where it's like a Tuesday at the office type of scene, I thought that would have been really apt and pretty cool if they showed that for Ronan. But I think they, should, they could have taken him away and then given Maria Rambo more time. They could have given Carol Maria's relationship more time as well. But he didn't really get any more time. Like, you could have made him an unnamed pilot and still had the exact same effect. You could have built him up in the exact same way, had the, the standoff at the end of the movie in the exact same way, and had him fly away. For me, it was just kind of a cool Easter egg that if someone didn't remember that that was the main villain from Guardians of the Galaxy, they wouldn't, the, the movie wouldn't suffer because he wasn't super stand, like standout-ish in the film. Um, at the same time, for us that know he's, he eventually is this, pretty bad villain um it's like a cool little easter egg of like oh we get to see him before that whole thing happens and i'm kind of with brylin on this one i feel like that literally could have been anyone it him being in the movie didn't really add anything i would rather there have been like an extra 10 minutes to the runtime of maybe leading him up to the bad guy and them doing something like, all right, never mind, maybe we shouldn't bomb people, and him going against the orders and being like, you know what? No, I actually am gonna like slaughter this entire planet to kill this one person. Um, because it, it didn't really add anything to his character. So I thought that was kind of a waste. And I didn't really get his like closing comment of like we'll be back. And they're like, oh, for the Tesseract thing, it's like, no, for the woman. I was like, but he doesn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, we know he's not coming to, back. To be yeah, fair, she's to be not fair, on Earth. That we oh, know of. At the end. She so. goes away for 20 years and he That's takes fair. 20 years to get to the place we see that he's going after stones. Yeah. It so doesn't even learn to dance. Too, like that will that line will make more sense, but the whole time I was just like this yeah. wasn't doing it for me. I kind of wanted to like I kind of agree on both ends. I think 
um, a small like a side or a nod of maybe one scene, like a cutaway scene. Of, and they had it with, you know, Jude Law's character, Young Rog, is talking to uh, Ronan. And I think that's the only sequence that we actually needed when he first talking to Ronan, he's talking about it. And so then, you know, he devises a plan for to have Ronan send his troops to attack Earth with Jude Law, like manning the actual sort of brigade at the end. And so that way, Jude Law in that entire like, basically, we needed a scene to show off her powers. We we clearly need that scene and her beating a beating up and kind of killing and destroying a bunch of stuff in space. Amazing. I think we can still have that scene. Remove Ronan because there's really no point in him being there, as you said. Put Jude Law in there, and it makes a lot more sense that end sequence because we we know we know damn well there's no way Jude Law is going to beat her once she unlocked her powers. We know that, and so again, a I liked how it ended because after she destroyed an entire fleet. There's no way he's there's there, there's no point to that fight, and I'm well, really glad they were was, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, Warren, no. that was always the point. Is that the, yeah. the the sparring scene at the beginning? Like, so here's the thing. Uh, I want to get this more into like the in the MCU side of things, but this movie moved in such a weird way. Like, it started you off moved in a way. What? Yeah, obviously, <laughs> I know. Have you? I'm left-handed. Um, <laughs> What? <laughs> we, I don't move in a weird way. We're awkward. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, this movie, it started off with, like, the sparring scene, which I thought was really cool, and I thought the, the, the themes they set up there, the payoff at the end was very nice. But basically, the, the point of that sparring scene was to say, you can't beat me unless you use your powers. So, at the start of the movie, she was going to win that fight. Because she didn't have to unlock anything else after that. She was always going to win. Um, and so there wasn't too much of a, like a, a growth there uh, to get to the, the where she was at the end. Like, sure, she took the little thing off, but whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, Brylin, what else you got before we uh, toss it on over to Meg? Uh, I mean, I would agree with everybody else that Ben Mendelsohn was fantastic in this movie. I did like his, uh, uh, the way he handled his character, Talos. Um, I thought uh, that he did have that great balance of uh, just desperation, being violent through desperation, but also uh, a lot of empathy, especially at the end with his family and everything. It was, and he did a really good job, like acting through makeup, which is one of the toughest things to do, but also being just as uh, magnetic as he is when he doesn't have the makeup on as well. Megan, what you got? Um, I don't have too much to add. I have to say, I think one of my favorite lines about, um, or from Ben is when he's Talos and he's talking to Nick Fury and he's like, Oh, I enjoyed being your boss. I just love his blue eyes because I didn't know until after the movie that they were the same person. <laughs> and I think that's, I know, I'm sorry. I'm horrible at movies. Um, but I thought that was such a good line after the fact when I found out. Um, but he was definitely probably my favorite character, which is sad. Um, because I should have probably loved Brie Larson more than that. But one thing I really loved about her character was that we were getting to know her as she was getting to know herself, which I thought was interesting. Um, kind of a cool way to do an origin story. And the Nick Fury Goose friendship was pretty yeah. fun. Um, <laughs> what, what I love about Goose is I never like 
I never like imagined or thought like, uh, what would it look like if a cat was pulling a lot of G's going into the atmosphere or what would a cat look like in zero G and they brought it to me and I was like, I'm glad I saw that. <laughs> well, exactly. they put some so dogs in zero G. That was pretty funny. Huh? In real life, they they put some dogs in zero G, and like the I, look I on their face is amazing. <laughs> I knew you were talking something else that was not in this movie. I was like, "What are you talking about? But why is is this cat supposed to be an Easter egg? Or is it I don't know if to Goose is in the comics. Joke? No, is Goose is. It's, che- it's Chewy. Goose is in the yeah in, in the comics. The cat is called Chewy, and it's Rocket Raccoon. That's like that's not a cat. Um, so, oh. so it's funny even if you don't know the comics but like if you read the comics they're like yeah Chewie and so then they named a goose after another famous pilot, pilot. Yeah. So. oh was that from like that so okay I had a goose feeling from was, top was top, I, yeah. I know that from yeah. Top Gun but when they are walking out and they're <laughs> when Carol and Maria is walking out and they're doing the little hand I was like is that from Top Gun because that <laughs> this is basically a scene kind of like from Top Gun right yeah I, I want to make sure that was like intentional good stuff good stuff <laughs> Maddox what you got any other characters in acting um so when I initially saw the trailer I wasn't totally sold on Brie Larson being Captain Marvel. Um, I was like, I don't know if I like this because I only know, like, you know, Captain Marvel from the comics. And I actually don't really like the character in the comics. Uh, I liked her roughly a decade ago, but her character was pretty much the worst in Civil War II. So I was still, like, upset over that that story arc. Um, But I really like the MCU Carol Danvers. Uh, I thought. Brie Larson did like a really good job with her character. Um, so I'm excited for her in future movies. And I really enjoyed uh, Samuel Jackson. I liked the younger Samuel Jackson. I thought it was, it was funny without feeling too pushed. Um, like one of my biggest problems with Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is, uh, what's his name, Drax. I felt like they, like they were forcing too many jokes on that character. To the point where I'm like, it's not funny anymore because in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, it was funny because he was trying to be serious, and now he's just telling jokes all the time, and it's and it's lame. Um, but I really liked the younger Fury in this movie, um, and I usually hate the whole de aging, like CGI thing, but I didn't find it distracting for his character. I found it a little bit distracting for Coulson. Oh man, yeah. that was so his hair was weird. He looked like no. a lot of makeup. I thought they on. didn't actually digitally yeah. de-age him. I thought they oh, just put. I think they just put some makeup on and spiked his hair and called it a day. No, they they definitely de-aged really? him. Really? Yeah, and so that. that I found kind of like he's also he has sort of a flat face in general. Like he doesn't do a lot of facial expressions. So between like the de-aging and that, every time he was on scene, I just. I wanted to enjoy his character, but I was just like, no. Um, so I, I could have gone without his character being in the movie. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed I know we were all going to jump on Brylin earlier, but I really also enjoyed Fury's character a lot, uh, especially because it was just so different. It was light. It was airy. It, it seems as though all the other movies was a bit more serious and we know that like shit's happening in other movies but he he had to play a particular role that had to be more serious in those other movies 
although he didn't necessarily have to be in this movie it seems like you know they was a, they were going with a, a bit funny a bit campiness but not over the top and they were trying to make this movie fun and i think the insertion of his character into this movie and also the uh, parallel between him and Carol, I think, was that that relationship was working, and it was just kind of like a friendship. Both are fairly, I guess, fairly new. Uh, I think, I guess, it, I guess he's not like, Fury wasn't new, but it was like, kind of newer to him to kind of fight these aliens. It seems like that was like, kind of the first time he's dealing with this, and this is the first time that Carol is like has to be like secret agent or spy. Uh, no. Oh okay, and so oh, <laughs> so I was like maybe I'm wrong. So uh, I I really I, I mean I really enjoyed Fury's character a lot. I, I liked the fact that it he actually had a bit of a personality. He was actually sharing information. Like we like learn more about him, and I think there is some small like funny moments when you know he was calling her like sort of like grunge look doesn't look right on you like put a hat on and that's also a hilarious like inside joke from the same universe before so that was kind of funny because they talked about it a lot in ant-man and they did the same thing in captain america winter soldier so the fact that they put a hat on and they're good i think that's a hilarious joke please keep that going uh but shut your mouth uh but uh I, yeah, I really enjoyed that they just kind of uh, had that moment just to sit down and she was like, you know, tell me some stuff about you to make sure that you're not an alien. Um, and he was just kind of sharing some information of, you know, what his friends called him and things like that. So I'm really glad that this is probably the most that we've ever gotten about to learn about Nick Fury and Fury in all the movies. And this is, you know, maybe what, two, two and a half hours. And it's crazy to think that how many movies has he been in? And this is the most we've learned about him now. Like, I think that's actually pretty cool that they also can do that, but still give us tons of character development and emotion from not only Carol Danvers, but from Talos, uh, you know, and also from Maria. So that was a really, really kind of a high point for me to learn not only about him, but this wasn't his movie. We know this wasn't his movie, but they still put enough information so that we can say, oh, that's cool, because that makes some more sense what we've seen previously in the movies that he already has been in. So I thought that was, a, that, yeah. that was nice. Yeah, Warren. So, um, on let's start i guess with brie larson um this is like my little character part so i freaking loved her stoicism um i know at, at first we had all these like turd uh, basement dwellers that were just like oh she needs to smile more which i love that that joke was freaking in the movie um, yeah so good <laughs> but like what? you know what i missed that that was like a, on social media or something or people yeah, were saying it's like there's yeah. a bunch of dudes that were just like oh they're just butt hurt over like a woman lead you know i don't Probably. even know i don't yeah I, I, it's stupid but like well, it's i called out like they said she should smile more and then on twitter she posted a bunch of captain america yeah yeah with a smile. Oh, that yeah, was so for, for honestly, like I loved it. She did a great job with. She did a better job than I thought. Again, like Maddox was saying with like the trailers, like the stoicism made sense in the movie that she is like you know a career military gal that you know it's pretty serious the entire way through. Um, also, one thing I thought this was a little bit of a, and I feel like we're gonna get into this a little later on the podcast, but I think it was somewhat brilliant that the whole battle. Uh, I guess her character arc revolves around controlling her emotions to um, like kind of become a better soldier. And I think that they, they did a brilliant take of not saying like control your emotions. Cause like you're a woman, but like 
it said control your emotions because you're from Earth. And I, I thought that was an interesting little like tangent that they they went to to make it a little bit more relatable and to to really draw the line between like what makes people humans versus all these like made up things that you know exist out in the rest of the galaxy. Um, and I think it is somewhat of a universal uh, language that we as people need to somehow embrace more of our emotional side. Like I know Warren has, and he's been kicking on this uh, pretty pretty heartily. But uh, me and Bryland. Uh, we don't do emotions too good, uh, you know. So I think that there was a lot. There was a more of a universal message uh, there that rather than and the other thing on Nick Fury. Um, so we were asking for Ronan's like linchpin moment where he becomes, you know, Ronan the accuser rather than like um, just like some random accuser. Uh, we got that with Nick Fury. No, Ronan it's, it's funny. It's, I, was, accuser. I was looking, I was actually looking it up. So there, yes, Ronan. there is like the accusers. And then apparently the lead one is the accuser. It's also a, a literal Marvel comics thing. Yeah. Um, and so, um, <laughs> so I, I think we got that with Nick Fury and it makes sense that this normal guy working at, uh, whatever baseline entry level government job is just some regular jackass from the nineties. And then he, he encounters something and he says this, uh, in Avengers, he points out to Thor, but they had to obviously retcon this back to Captain Marvel where he goes like, all right, we realize that because you showed up, we are so hopelessly outgunned that earth, it needs to do more to put ourselves in a position. And so it makes sense that you go from, Captain Marvel, where he's basically a pencil pusher, he gets exposed to insanity and then becomes like, hey, I might be the only guy that believes this and I have to prepare the earth for what is coming because it will come back. Um, And so it makes sense that we get this happy go lucky guy, big moment. And then he hardens into a person that, you know, obviously goes crazy through the ranks of of S.H.I.E.L.D. But we don't get that hardened moment with Nick Fury in this. I mean, this Nick Fury, I wouldn't even let in the same vicinity or the same city of where a helicarrier is being built. We he doesn't look like he has the responsibility don't or get, the maturity to handle that. We don't get the we don't get the hardened Nick Fury in it, but we get the start of it. We get the the, the little push that sets him down the path of like, hey, I need to get this together. And we even see him with like the you know, we get him two finger typing on his computer yeah, the to pr- write his yeah, the protector, great American novel, right? The Protector Initiative, but that that's the first draft. And so yeah, obviously you don't go from like a pencil pusher to John Wick overnight. Um, right. But you but you get that push of like, hey, I gotta I have to get my crap on uh, together because I'm pretty much the only one that's gonna believe any of this exists. <laughs> Blew it. What else you got before we toss it over to Maddox and the transition to story? I, I don't think this is necessarily acting, but it's characters. Uh, I would like to put this in. I freaking hate Superman. And I think Carol Danvers <laughs> suffers from some of the same effects um, where you put in a character. Too that powerful. Ha- yeah. That you basically yeah, have yeah. nothing. You have nothing else that can stand up against them, and therefore, like nothing they do is of consequence. In fact, I think the best fight scene of this movie was when she had those things over her hands, and she had to actually fight mm-hmm. them in a realistic scenario. Pretty much was- every other fight scene you saw her in, she was going to win, and there was no doubt about it. Um, and I think this, the movie suffered because they just couldn't scale. It was a weird thing where you don't want to bust your like big bad villain, uh, you know, 
right in the first one, have someone who could go toe to toe with her. At the same time, like the people that they had, just they had no hope. They, there was nothing. There was nothing there that they could stand up once she, even at her baseline power. Never mind when she went Broly and you know went powers maximum. Nice. Yeah. Good. Good call out, my yeah, friend. I don't Good even think that's powers maximum for her too, because that's one thing I had a little bit of a problem with her powers and just representation of her powers is that. Maybe this is on Marvel marketing for pushing it too hard that we're finally going to see an Avenger that can go toe-to-toe with Thanos. And, um, and I mean, I don't really feel that by the end of this movie. I feel like she has definitely potential to help out a lot. But is she going to be the key to beating Thanos? I kind of hope not because I think Avengers is all about the team rather than just one person figuring it out. But... Um, I felt like her powers had were kind of like plot convenient. So they were like, she would utterly destroy a ship, but then when she would fight all of Yog, Yog I want to say Yog Saren, but that's uh, that's that's Lovecraft stuff. But uh, was it Yonrog's uh, team? Yonrog, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, she would knock them over, but they would get right back up, and then she'd have to knock them over again, She'd get right back up, and knock them over again. I didn't want her to vaporize them or anything, but. I mean, definitely emit a power that makes them um, scared shitless, where they don't want to even fight her anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just they just the power scaling on it was was awkward because they they didn't truly have anyone who was like good enough. And I do, Brian, without going into this, I do hope that she somewhat gets de-escalated because, again, I want to see the one of the original six. Uh, have like the the moment. I don't want to see yeah. Ant Man or even Rocket, but, like or Captain Marvel, like figure that one out. But the don't plus be- of it, plus of her powers is I I feel like we haven't seen the maximum power of Captain Marvel yet, which is kind of goes back to the other Avenger that got their powers from an Infinity Stone, uh, Scarlet Witch. We definitely haven't seen her full maximum powers because. Mm-hmm. We know that she can do universe damaging stuff. Yeah. Just so we haven't seen her without her maximum. Which, like, like they do in the comics, it would be really cool if they did. But I don't think we're yeah, they, that Scarlet Witch. Um, but the thing about like Captain Marvel, which they this was the origin story. So yes, yeah, by the end of the movie, she's super overpowered, but she also hasn't come up against like. Thanos or any of the other big bads in the universe and in the comics she spends most of her time in space and sure she's super overpowered but you know she's fighting armies of like thousands and so she can only do so much as a person and she ends up being much more of a leader uh, where she has to make hard decisions Um, so she's almost more of a political character in the comics like her powers are sort of like there so people don't want to fuck with her because she can nuke them Um, but she ends up having to make some calls that people don't like, uh, like in Civil War II, uh, where she was yeah. sort of like the villain. Um, or so the humans versus X-Men. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see like when, like once we're past Endgame, what they do with her character to see where it yeah. takes her. I also think what's interesting is like throughout the whole movie, she kind of needed to figure out what side she was on. And... I mean, in the end, she made a decision, but I would also be interested to see if she gets, like, her morality in question again. Like, if someone else throws another question of, well, why are you fighting on that side? 
I'd be interested to see how her character reacts to that. Yeah. yeah I mean, that when you said like the Superman thing, I was like, no. Because Superman is always fucking boring because he's always a fucking. <laughs> oh, yeah. Superman's the worst. Superman is the worst. In, like, the Soviet Union, and they're like, oh, what if he landed in the Soviet Union? Like, other than that fucking story arc, his character is boring because he's overpowered and he always tries to, like, he's always a goody two shoes. Right. Uh, they'll help. try to hurt no, me. No, but that's but that's why I refer to it. Not <laughs> isn't like that. Like in the comics, she, she will literally make the decision. Like maybe wiping out that planet will save a bunch of people, so we should do it. Right. Like, but they yeah. didn't do it in this movie. Some, and from a from like a power set, uh, comparative power set, uh, like analysis, no one came close to her. You know that that's more what I'm getting at. That they they there basically was no one in this movie that could stand up to her. Uh, even even at the, like the first ten minutes, you know, there's just yeah. And so, yeah. Point of the and movie Thor and that. Thor and Hulk are not in this movie, so yeah, right, right. right. Well, that's that's gonna be the fun part, and I'm actually yeah. kind of bummed based on the the post credits that she seemingly meets them in a neutral manner because I really wanted to see them show up on a strange planet altogether, and then have her she has to fight Thor. That's all I wanted. I want to see that. That's like, and I don't think that that's going to happen now. Yeah, but now. happen at some point. Like, we're going to get more Captain Marvel. Oh, and yeah, yeah. yeah. With people in other movies. So, right. Well, if you start, if you start. yourself and wait. Once you start throwing in the Celestials in there, if they ever do Sentry oh, or gosh. Quasar or Nova, yeah. like any of these other characters that are like more appropriate to that like yeah i'm i'm just saying in this movie she's she had the the superman effect where there's nothing yeah if they ever bring she hulk in like her and she hulk fucking awesome bash all the time in the comics and it's great Or Phoenix Force is coming in June. So. Gross. But, no, we're not talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's gonna <laughs> it doesn't matter. Violet knew exactly what everybody was going to respond to that. (laughs) (laughs) So that's going to kind of complete our acting and sort of characters. I know we already started talking about the uh, story in Marvel Cinematic Universe, so let's go ahead and expand on that a little bit. I'm going to toss it over to Maddox and says, talk to me about it. All right. So overall, I really loved the vibe of the movie. I loved how much they leaned into the 90s. I think there's going to be so many jokes that people under the age of 25 don't get. Um, like the Stanley cameo, like I'm sure oh my God. half the people who no, see that are going to be like, I don't get it. Meanwhile, I was like fucking squeeing in my chair. I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Um, that was like a really cool cameo. And it was sad. I was totally also falling for, for a while there. Um, but I really loved the music and in a lot of ways, it felt more like uh, like the recent Spider-Man movies in that it was light and funny, but still had some sort of like heavier topics and themes. Um, so like there were a lot of like emotional impact scenes in the movie. So I, I liked that overall. Um, the one thing I didn't love, which is basically my criticism of all Marvel movies, is the editing and the fight scenes. It's it's pretty bad. It's like there's a lot of fast edits. You don't really like know what's happening. Um, but that can be said about basically every Marvel movie. Uh, you're not really watching them for the cool fight choreography, uh, except for the Marvel shows that they canceled. 
um, or the Netflix shows. So other than that, we don't get the cool fight choreography. Um, and I did not see the scrolls storyline coming. That which we mentioned earlier, that whole twist about them being refugees. I was like, oh, that's that's so interesting. So great. Yeah, that was pretty much all I had about the story and overall stuff. I started to Google, uh, and then I got a bunch of stuff from Endgame, and so I almost threw my computer out of the window. So, <laughs> sorry, I can't help you uh, on that. I wish I could help you um, for there. But yeah, I definitely kind of agree. I think um, the I love the feeling of the movie. Uh, it made it seem like a lot of fun. It almost reminded me, uh, I, I think like uh, the other movies that I had just like a really good time with is like kind of Ant-Man and, you know, not Thor one and two, cause those are trash. Uh, but you know, Ragnarok, you had a good time with Ragnarok and the, the overall feeling like the, the mood of the movie just seems a bit lighter and it just means it seems like you kind of want to have fun. You actually want to hang out with these people that we're watching. So I like that they kind of injected some fun in it. It was kind of like, and a lot of times it kind of did feel like a, a, uh, a, uh, agents of shield episode, um, uh, where they had a lot of this weird kind of campy comedy, but it wasn't like over the top and it wasn't definitely kind of overdone. Um, so it definitely means it was kind of a lot of fun. Love the scrolls part. That was actually kind of great. I, I knew that they were evil, especially for me, at least from the video games and some of the comics that I read. So when they did that, they kind of did the, the switch, I thought I was like, oh, my first thing in my mind was, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some people that's pissed about this, but I don't care about those people. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's actually really cool to say this. We're going to tell, tell this a bit of a new story online because we've seen some Kree before. We actually never seen scrolls. So how does that necessarily kind of fare up? So I think that's actually kind of really, I'm um, really cool. Uh, the one thing that I was uh, kind of nervous about was, um, you know, the movie itself was about, what, two hours? Uh, let me see, about two, two and a half hours, I think. It was like just and over two. Two hours, over four two, minutes, I think. Two, four? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so the one thing I was a bit nervous for, and, you know, I went, me and Emma went to go see this together, and I was nervous to go watch this movie with her because she's not a huge sci-fi fan, but she liked the movie a lot, um, was it felt like they're jam-packing in a lot of information to get ready for Endgame. We, we don't know what's going to happen with Endgame, but it's, you know, can you jam pack, was it like maybe 15, 20 movies into one with these weird sort of like flashbacks? And it seems as though that they just had a big task to ex at least explain and kind of tell this story, but still leaving a bit of breadcrumbs around of what has happened outside of this movie, but in the universe. And I think they did a really good job with it. But if a person going in, like Emma, and does, didn't see all of the Marvel films, then they're going to be very confused. Uh, and so that's exactly what happened. And she wasn't even sure what was actually happening from a lot of these components, but she still enjoyed the movie as a standalone. I know me and Megan was talking about that. Um, so I think that was actually a really, really positive note. That's a really good sign is there can still be a quote unquote standalone movie, but still kind of tie back into something to do with the universe. So I thought that was actually um, pretty cool. And probably one of the biggest things I liked about that the story can kind of hold its own uh, still have, um, uh, you know, sexism and things that are still happening to today that we people still the, deal with. That's the way you phrased that made it seem like, ah, oh, the movie had sexism in it. 
Texas in a bag. Whoa. But like they they have these things that people and women are still predominantly women are dealing with today and it's almost to the point where it's it's kind of feel like a bit of the black panther where it kind of trans um not transitions transcends there we go it kind of transcends to say man I, I you can watch this movie in like almost any year like if this movie was made 10 years ago 15 years ago if it's possible if this was made 5 10 years ago after this like the overall core of this message is still going to be there um especially when you're talking about resilient women and not backing down. So I think that was probably like a, a huge thing I just enjoyed about this story that it kind of blend this line between this is a superhero movie. Yeah, but it can also be a real superhero movie that people deal with a lot of shit. So I thought that was actually pretty cool. And that's probably something that I really dug about this movie. Um, I definitely have to agree with you on a lot of those things. A lot of those points are my points with the story as well. Um, Coming from seeing most of the Marvel movies, but not reading the comics, not really knowing the whole universe quite as well as all of you do. Um, I went into the movie. I feel like I got a lot of information from it, but it could have been a standalone movie. Um, From a universe standpoint, aside from setting her up to be a big um, fight against Thanos, I didn't really understand why this movie was where it was in the franchise. Um, I feel like it could almost fit in anywhere in between any of the other movies, aside from, you know, the very end, um, the credit scene where they bring it back to Infinity War. Um, But the one thing that I really liked, which Warren, you pointed out, was it kind of went with what was going on today in society. You know, you've got the Me Too movement, you've got um, the refugees, like the scrolls. So in that aspect, it kind of hit home with what's happening right now. But in terms of the universe, and maybe you guys can speak to this more, I don't really see how it added something to the universe other than a new character who could fight Thanos. That would probably be my biggest issue with the story. Yeah, I mean, the story is for a character like Captain Marvel and her power set, the story and the setting was very small. And I think that was kind of a downer for it because, I mean, it opens where we get this tease of like the Kree Scroll War, which is an intergalactic, like multi planet, like huge ass war that's going on and stuff. And I think they kind of like wrote themselves where they couldn't get too big with it because they wanted to show this whole refugee part with the scrolls as well that no it's not a it's not a whole war going on it's more of a genocide that's happening uh that um that yeah that it kind of like kind of knocks down like how powerful captain marvel is because she really doesn't have something like huge to fight she's got a couple ships at the end and that's it and like no one is going to be competition for if they were able to like 
kind of tie in, like, instead of there being just three ships of the accusers, what if it was 300 and show that? That would have been fucking amazing to see her rip through hundreds of ships rather than just one. And I think that would have been really neat to see. And it's like, okay, we've seen Thor, like, stand there with hundreds of people in front of him, and he actually just annihilates them like they're nothing and yells, bring me Thanos. Let Captain Marvel do the same thing, so show me her mightiness. Uh, yeah, because we didn't of that. that Thor for a while. Like we had to go through two terrible Thor movies, one good Thor movie, <laughs> and a bunch of Avengers movies to get that. So like Marvel is all about building up characters and building to a moment. Um and so I think it like had she blown up a thousand ships at the end of this movie, I'd have been like, All right, what's she gonna do in the next one? Um so I, I like that they didn't like totally blow her out of the water yet and i really think that like after endgame like the next marvel movies there's going to be a lot more space stuff in it like i think the shiar show up and there's going to be some other like cool beings that happen and captain marvel is going to be a lot more of a political peacemaker um so i like the toned down powers well, even in the first think- Thor, I mean, on Jotunheim, Thor is still ripping through ice giants like it's nothing. He's laughing while he's doing it. Yeah, yeah that, but that movie, I- Thor's powers <laughs> were earned from like an audience perspective rather than like he didn't scale up a ton, a ton from where he currently was. It's just the audience hated him in the first couple of showings, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And then so when he yells, "Bring me Thanos," we're like, "Finally, this guy's cool," you know. Like that's. <laughs> it. But he like realistically, like, I mean, it took him losing his hammer to unlock marginally more power that we've seen. You know, he's just like, dude, you're you're the god of thunder, not the god of hammers. He's like, oh yeah, I guess I am. Um, yeah. And I th- still think like someone like Doc Strange could actually get the better of someone like Thor on a good day. Yeah, yeah. who was saying that earlier? That Captain Marvel's like the 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 only was Avenger- that Thor was pretty. He wasn't that smart. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he can throw a mean axe. Uh, and uh, this is an aside, but uh, I forget who said it earlier that they were saying Captain Marvel would be the first one to stand up to Thanos. Technically, we have two. Like Doctor Strange did it. Um, yeah. and, uh, and then what's his face? Thor did it. So it's like, what's his face? yeah, the guy we've just been talking about. So, um, it's not like, like yeah, he's not that smart. Cause he didn't go for the head. Like, that right. well, to be fair, who, he I wouldn't be in this mess. I don't think he knew the whole, the whole of it, but yeah. All right. Hang on. And I think for me, what I was getting at is why, why couldn't we have had this movie earlier in the franchise? Like what if we had had this movie? before infinity war and then the pager scene at the end where you know nick fury is paging someone then you're like oh shit it's captain marvel she's coming back like i feel like this was oh crap we need to bring her into the universe we better do it now before endgame Hmm. yeah i agree with that to be fair i I like that because like again it was uh an easter egg of like you know, the common person had no idea. I don't idea. think that word means what you think that word <laughs> that means. That was an Easter egg. <laughs> My mom didn't know Easter egg. Like, the, the plot's an Easter egg. <laughs> Every, everybody looks up like, uh, no, no. Good try. We're a, bunch yeah, of, I, we're, we're a bunch of April chickens right now. Just laying oh, Easter wow. eggs all over the place. Yep. Okay. Anyways. Uh, yeah, I agree with what you're saying, uh, Megan. It, 
I think this movie could have, I think just be probably because of time and they wasn't sure when they initially kind of plotted out, they didn't quite understand or know where this was going. So they had to put it in somewhere, but I think this movie could have easily been done before. Um, why is it this year? It could have been, it should have been last year. I think that would have been pretty cool if it was last year, but it was supposed to be. It got yeah. bumped. It got bumped for uh, Spider Man. Oh, really? oh, oh, was it? No, was it that or Black Panther? I actually, I think that, it was Captain Marvel. I think Captain Marvel was supposed to come out earlier. Black Panther was still the lead-in to Infinity War, and then sp- they got Spider-Man back, and then they bumped Captain Marvel. Mm. Yeah, I th- but I feel like this movie should have come like last fall. Like it that, just seems too rushed because now we have one month and it's infinite. Oh yeah, um, no, Endgame. Like they, they got cute about it where they're like, why oh, are we're we gonna here? release it on internet. It should have been in in November. There was no movie in November. Like they should have just done it like they did with Doctor Strange and Thor Ragnarok and just had it six months before the May movie. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Um, I think we were talking about runtime. Um. To me, it felt like they wasted a lot of scenes on stuff that was inconsequential and they could have touched on in, you know, subsequent movies. Like, let's be honest, this movie has made half a billion dollars already and it's day five, I think. Like, they're make, they're going to make more Captain Marvel movies. A hundred percent. Like, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, with this, they had a lot of weird scenes with where they referenced like the brother and the father, and then they never really came back to it. And you know, I don't, I don't need things spelled out for me. And I get it; it kind of like it's hinted at that maybe they didn't really, you know, those male characters didn't believe in in uh, Carol Danvers, and so like you can you can kind of like use that to build through. But when you have a lot of unnecessary screen time going to characters that are are never named nor spoken about in the present timeline, you can kind of drop those and come back later to them. You know, um, I felt that's that why they, they put them in a montage, right? I felt like they had, <laughs> uh, like they had a really solid 75% of the way their movie. Like for me, that scene where she stopped the orbital bombardment bombardment was like the easiest thing I've ever seen. She stopped one missile and was like, Oh sick. I'm just going to throw it at all the other ones. Like there was no, urgency to that scene at all um i think that the way they developed her throughout the that was was awesome and then she should have flown away and then we should have seen where she ended up you know and had one big fight to give the scrolls their their new starting point you know she has to go take on a kree contingent beat the hell out of them that's the big final battle scene her and talos shake hands and she and talos is like all right thank you we're gonna start rebuilding our civilization here that should have been the end of the movie you could have the big you would have had the big epic battle scene that i think a couple of us are clamoring for um it just it felt like they wrote a two-hour movie and then they filled it and then they're like i guess we can't write any more another thing on the flip side of this movie is that what like what the hell happened with the pacing there they basically started off and then uh the supreme intelligence was like well you're not good enough and then four seconds later she's like you're good enough you're on your first mission and then that mission fails to me there was i liked the the other characters the other yon rog like uh was a team star force i thought they were they were kind of interesting i would have loved to have seen them develop that more i would have loved to seen them go on a couple missions uh, and uh, a couple missions and then like be successful because that would have made the made the failed mission 
that much more powerful, right? Like you've seen them work together as a team for 30, 45 minutes and then have that failure and the rest of the movie starts. I don't know. The pacing was all sorts of off in this. Well, I, I think this is the first time that she sees the supreme intelligence in the beginning, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I thought this pacing kind of made a bit more. I, I think that pacing made more sense because she hasn't. There was never a time in which she said that she failed or she wasn't good enough. It just right. It just says that Yang Rag was saying that she needs to control her emotions, and that the one thing you have to remember remember is that these your those powers can be taken away or whatever. Like we gave you these powers, um, but I think when she, I, I at least like the pacing because once she's introduced to a small kind of sliver into her past, which was the supreme intelligence, that kind of kicks off something that hey. Who is this person to me? Like, why does this not? Why does kind of make sense? Let's go on this mission. But now this kind of plants a bit of a seed of I. I, I kind of need to start figuring this out. Of why is this person kind of? Why does this person appear in front of me? Then the capture, then the whole mind stuff. Then it goes into her memories, and that kind of kicks her off for there. And so I, I, I kind of like where that was kind of going with the actual with pace. I, I really didn't see an issue with that, but I want to um, see them work as a team together more. Uh, so then who, who when- the Space Force? Uh, yeah, Star Force. So like when she King, has Gingyu? Yep. When she <laughs> when she eventually has to turn against them and then mm-hmm. fight them, it would have hit harder. There was there was yeah. like she she had no connection to any of those characters, you know? Yeah. Well, even the line, I mean, they were just like, Well, just even the faceless. line she was like, I never I never uh you something about liking me. She's like, No, I never liked you, I always hated you. I'm like, okay, that would have been a more impact impactful line if they actually battled together a right, lot. We right. Saw that, right. So the I, the you know. best movies uh or the best villains are often well, besides the Joker, are often the folks that like have an intimate connection with your protagonist. And so because you could really feel the the connection between the two. Oh yeah, you look any of these things, the people that play well, off I've each other the most already seen that so many times. Like well, what we got, what we got in that last scene was Captain Marvel beating up a bunch of people that she had no, she had no feeling for, and so us as the audience, like, that's why? Not, that's not true. She didn't have a feeling towards them. She literally always felt like an outsider, and she knew she didn't fit in. Like, but we I like that we didn't about see the movie. Any of that. That. Yeah, we did. Yeah. She was always made it seem like she they casted her out. She was outside. Yeah. And she never but tried. she made it seem we didn't see like on the mission her getting betrayed or anything, getting left behind. I would have loved to have seen more Star Force. No, no. I, I like the way that they played it. Like we've already done the whole like, oh, you were my bestie and now you've betrayed me. Like these were literally like the fucking mean girls in high school who met <laughs> her in the club. And at the end, she was like, "You know what? Fuck you guys." <laughs> I like. It was I, I, could have, I, w- I wish they showed that then. Yeah, they didn't have to be yeah. besties, but you. you sh- I wish that those characters were at least lived in with. Like we, we didn't get any screen time from any of the other characters besides Yonrog. Yeah, and a but little I bit of Minerva. You, but I mean, you we know even, what happened. But you before. even. Yeah, you right. even mentioned it though. These characters didn't matter. Those characters don't matter. I don't think we need any more information. They didn't matter from a because character. the movie didn't make it seem like they mattered. I think they're still cool. I don't think they needed to matter. I think the biggest uh, like fight she had was with Jude Law. And that was like her person. He was her person. He was the guy who was like helping her train and yada, yada, yada. His blood was in her, whatever the fuck that was. Um, And I feel like (laughs) that was, she had to go against him 
And she didn't need to have that kind of relationship with the rest of the team. We got that payoff when she fought him, I think. Yeah, that fight was four seconds long. She hit him with a photon blast, and then that was the end of the fight. Yeah, but it was a good fight, and it was a good wrap-up and call back to the beginning. And it was like a growing moment for her, and yeah. I don't know. Did that first fight seem like a Matrix fight between Neo and Morpheus to anybody else? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like mentor-student, like, sparring. I know we've seen it a lot, Brylan. I'm just saying that it, it made it it made it seem like a Neo yeah. and Morpheus to me. It's like oh, I also okay. kind of like the whole like how he mentions that his blood was like running in her veins because I immediately thought of Adam and Eve, and that was basically like Eve being like, you know what? Don't care. <laughs> like, I think I, I feel like I feel like she should have cared. She you know doomed all of humanity for damnation. Megan, did you just say sucks to suck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so great. Okay, what else uh, What else do we have for uh, story in the cinematic universe before we start talking about um, the empowerment of women of this film? Uh, I got some things. Um, so um, I, did, I do agree with Blewett. There is a lot of weird editing oh. in this movie. There's even one scene where uh, Carol's fighting Yog Saren in the um, in the hangar bay, and then all of a sudden it cuts to where Yog Saren is blocking Talos and his family from getting on the Quinjet. And I was like, "All right, he just jumped literally from one end of that ship to the other <laughs> in a split second. I was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Um, but there's actually some really cool things about uh, the like effects and CG in this movie. So I love like the de-aging stuff. I love their costumes and the helmets when they go on and everything. That first scene when we do see Star Force, it looks like a space version of a SEAL team coming out of an ocean. It's really sick. Um, and also like they, they did a lot of cool practical effects, like the scrolls shape shifting is really cool when they morph that CG is cool. But like when we see one of the scrolls take the same body as Talos and says, Hey, pick someone else. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, those were actually twins. So I like actually appreciate yeah. Like when they cast twins to do things like that, I think it's really cool. Uh, another cool effects scene I like is I I love like how touching it is when um Carol has her niece like try to pick her colors of her costume and we see like all those old Captain Marvel colors and then she just says hey we're gonna be on the same team and looks at her shirt and it's like all right go ahead and choose that one. So I thought that was very touching and cool. But yeah like the beginning of this movie I was probably crying for a half hour just because that opening <laughs> credit scene with all Stan's oh, cameos. So just good. uh so good and just still emotional whenever I see anything about Stan. And yeah, I'm right there with you, Maddox. The Mall Rats uh, callback is probably like the best 90s reference they had. And it's just so touching as well. Um, but also, there's a lot of the 90s stuff I appreciate. I like watching them wait for the CD to load up on Windows 95. <laughs> but um, there's some 90s stuff that kind of felt really forced too. Uh, I like that. We do see Carol wear Nine Inch Nail shirts and Nirvana shirts and wear a flannel shirt around her waist and stuff. Um, but does Nick Fury really have to point it out and say, grunge is a good look on you? I was like, that's <laughs> a very forced, cheesy line. I didn't like that at all. Um, and I mean, just have I thought they just kind of like were 
cramming it down your throat that, hey, we're in the 90s now. And I mean, seeing Blockbuster was cool, but also, do we really need um, the Tesseract being carried around in a Mr. T lunchbox? Or do we need to see like, hey, here's a pinball machine. Remember pinball machines? They were a thing. Um, it, It just got a little too ham-fisted when it came to the 90s references over time and i was like let the characters kind of just portray themselves and kind of bring a 90s attitude to it i think that would have worked a lot better uh and then also when it comes to the music uh the music cues feel forced so the music i love i mean i grew up in the 90s so this is these are my jams i think they stole my cds for instance (laughs) uh but um i felt like it was just kind of very forced like i mean when they're driving in the desert i mean what's the first song you think of is it tlc's waterfalls i don't think so um or like just having just a girl play while she starts fighting after getting her powers going nope nope that was awesome that was freaking (laughs) awesome (laughs) that was so great are you kidding me the cueing of it is forced it feels just very heavy-handed to that but i I mean you're on the 90s <laughs> yeah i mean and it was like hey i mean it's like maybe i want something that's a little bit more like someone from the 90s would get like where's the slater kenny where's you want like static um, x push it playing like come on static oh, x push it. so good though <laughs> no i'm just a girl was like the perfect upbeat like chick rock songs, but there's better no doubt yeah. songs. And, I mean, there's better whole songs. They didn't have to play Celebrity Skin. I mean, that came out in '98, so it doesn't even like take place during this movie. So that song's that, not even out during this so, movie. That wasn't. I thought Kurt Cobain wrote that song. I thought that was like early to mid '90s. Uh, no, it's '98. Really? I also yeah. thought that was way earlier. Interesting. Hey, I thought Stacy's mom was in the '90s, so. It makes me wonder what did I do in 2003? <laughs> <laughs> Listen to Stacey's um, mom on repeat. Just watch the music video <laughs> and like over and over, like everybody else. I guess. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Megan did that. <laughs> yeah, but um, I would say like there was this amazing sci-fi like score that was in the trailers that I loved. And we get none of that because they did push a lot of these 90s songs. And I think you could have had the 90s songs here. Maybe if like one of the Cree hit the jukebox and then Just a Girl was playing, I would have been like, all right, that's cool. You actually kind of built it into the environment. But just like saying, all right, we're going to play a 90s song right now because it's the 90s. That's just like rubbed me the wrong way. I felt that either blend it into the environment, why that's playing. Uh, but don't just say, Hey, let's just drop a 90 song in here because they actually had a really cool score that was in the trailers that I was hoping to hear more of. And we really don't get more of it, which I found was kind of disappointing. Um, but my biggest disappointment of this movie is they fully fucking retconned part of Nick Fury's story that we already went over in the MCU from winter soldier. Like, we get the story in Winter Soldier that he lost his eye while on a mission with Robert Redford's character. And that it is a turning point. It is something that makes him hard-edged and everything. It is a traumatic experience in his life. And now they're going to, for the first time, blatantly retcon an important part of an MCU character that his loss of his eye is from a cat scratch as a joke. And doesn't really impact his character one way or another, except like, oh, well, I lost an eye. 
might as well pick a new one out or maybe I'll wear an eye patch. Who knows? So I felt that was just who, who let that pass in the, on the script and why did they ever do that? Plus it also makes it make no sense that Ben Mendelsohn takes the shape of Ben Mendelsohn when he's playing as a human, uh, when that person should be a young Robert Redford. I agree with you. I was, I thought that was the, one of the biggest missed opportunities of this movie. I was like, this yeah. is the biggest, most blatant yeah. rewrite of MCU story that we've gotten so far in any of their movies. And they just said, fuck the past. Let's just make some bullshit up and play it as a laugh. And it doesn't work. It's fucking terrible. I literally well, just, couldn't care less if they changed. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's I care that much about it, but it, it, it just it just stuck out like a sore thumb that they took like that import that part of Nick Fury's life, and it's like, all right, let's play it as a comedic effect and not really care about what we built up. Like they didn't really give a shit about their continuity when this is a whole series of movies that painstakingly care about their continuity movie to movie to movie. I mean, it's an eyeball. I don't even remember that line from, was it Civil War? I'm guessing that that was. Does he even, like, does he mention in Civil War exactly how he lost it when he was confronting the Robert Redford character? It's Winter Soldier. Um, I don't even remember. (laughs) Yeah, because because he's he's not confronting Robert Redford in that. He's talking to Steve while they're going down to look at the shield helicarriers and he also has the same story about how his dad used to walk down the street uh, with his lunch bag and his sandwich but also a 45 in his bag too even though it was his own neighborhood and it was a whole story that led up to who can you trust and the whole parable of it is trust yourself first over anyone well so two things on that first of all I, I think that he was trying to teach a lesson and so the master spy who's got secrets about his secrets might have just been lying about all that crap. You know, like the, I'll leave I'll leave that open. I'm not as angry about Goose scratching him. <laughs> Honestly, I thought it was kind of a funny gag. Uh, they didn't hide it particularly well. I think everyone who saw the first yeah. freaking trailer is like, oh, that's how Nick Fury loses his eye. But, oh, really? Oh, oh yeah. well, they didn't know they didn't show any of the end. I don't remember it being in the trailer. It's not. But he's like he he scratches the cat and you're like, oh, cats have claws. That's probably how it's going to. I think they leaked that rumor because it felt like throughout the movie they were like teasing it. I think at one point they even say like something along the of don't hold the cat to your face or something. Yeah. And it's every single time he has the cat in front of him. I was just like, oh, my God, it's going to yeah. happen right now. Yeah. Um, that, so I thought it, I thought it was fun. That being said, Brian, I I do agree with you that it was you have a shape shifting character. You could have even had like an, a weird inside joke and had like the sting been on in the background, and then uh, Talos transforms into a young Robert Redford to go like talk to. You could have something stupid, but just, I would have like, loved that. I mean, give me that young Robert Redford because. That's who's supposed to be there at that right, time. They're right. I, I think it was an easy opportunity to kind of connect those two movies and they somehow missed it. Like, I don't, I don't know. I guess Robert Redford's retired from acting, but like yeah. they put freaking Carrie Fisher a, in Rogue yeah. One. He yeah. may have not okayed them using his. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe. So Mendelssohn was just like, fine, I'll do it myself. 
<laughs> like Robert Redford. <laughs> <laughs> oh no? Okay, I can just be myself. But um, other than that, I mean, I love the mid-credits uh, scene. Like, um, it was good to see Chris Evans' beard one last time. And the final credit scene is amazing because that CG work, I mean, I've seen that happen with cats plenty of times. So that's yeah. just really on point. <laughs> Everyone who's like a cat owner was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, I know that sound. I know that. Oh, no, they're totally going to throw up. Like it was, it was good. Honestly, I kind of wished it was a hairball and not actually <laughs> <laughs> like the whole lead up, and then it's nothing. <laughs> like the homecoming post credit scene. Most <laughs> best soldiers th- key patience. <laughs> yeah. I think the the one thing I forgot to bring up earlier was I'm curious about how um, Monica shows up later. Like if she's going to be photon or pulse, because yeah. this is in the '90s, so I'm wondering if she's going to show up in Endgame, because she'll be in her 30s. I can't do math, yeah. but, but like she'll clearly be an adult, and they're very clearly so. going to make her um, photon yeah. or pulse or like whatever they're going to call. I don't even remember what her current character is. Star. Um, is that one of them? Maybe they should have. Maybe they should have like uh, done like a cool '90s reference. Like maybe Monica has a black onesie swimsuit that has a yellow stripe on it, and <laughs> said, "Hey, you're a hero. Wear this." And like Carol says, "Why would I wear that bullshit?" <laughs> well, I like that she was wearing like the Captain Marvel colors though, since she was like Captain Marvel. So yeah. that, she did. That she, was kind of cool. She did the Shazam colors too in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that kind of cool. I thought that was really good. She did do the black and yellow too, which I thought. Yeah. Was- so I'm, I'm really curious about where her character ends up when she shows up and who she is. Well, Fury made the the hint too. That was like she's like, oh, why can't I go or something to that effect? And he's like, well, you're gonna have to glow like her. It's like, ah, like, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, that's so, gotta get it. Does she become? Yeah, oh, special. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. She gets yeah. powers. Yeah, she's been like well, is that a, weird, like secondary. Spoiler. So that's an Easter egg. That that yes, that was. Yes. Easter egg. <laughs> that's where I was going with that. I don't see it. Uh, like, I think what? that's I think that's foreshadowing. Her her little thing on her arm was definitely a DSX machina because that thing does way too much in this movie. Yeah, I don't know if like. Come on. Not yeah. only does it change your ki- technology is alien, you can't explain it. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so it just it can hack into a payphone? Wait, hold up. How yeah. do you know what a, how to operate a payphone? Those things are definitely not on that creep planet. What's I was going on? That, but when like Monica is able to like change whatever color she wants, I was like, how does the Earth teenage kid be like, oh yeah, sure. Let me just twirl my finger around. Yeah, I know how to figure it out. <laughs> Change the colors to exactly what I to, want. To be fair, yeah. I did that all the time on character selection screen screens in Neopets. So I don't. <laughs> That's fair. Wow. That's fair. I mean, that is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird. Um, I do like the other other ninety reference of like the blockbuster and radio sh- radio shack. I'm like, <laughs> that was kind of funny. I mean, to be fair, most people seeing this movie don't know how to use a payphone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're also terrible and filled with germs. So that's mm. fair. That's, that's so many germs. Gotta look so many germs. Well, Rylan, Blewett, we got, what else you guys got for the uh, story in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe? 
I have one last point on that. Um, I love that everything was like both or all three sides were so gray um, where, you know, you kind of start off with Star Force being like the big heroes. And to me, I kind of liked it, likened it to like the American uh, Revolution where you basically had like the scrappy upstar- upstarts and the scrolls uh, and that they had to do like some pretty atrocious stuff to kind of free themselves from like this overarching empire. And, and um, I like it when there's not like, I mean, it was pointed that the scrolls were the good guys and then the Kree ultimately were the bad guys. Um, when in reality, the Kree were just kind of trying to maintain order over a, a broad civilization which is inherently hard to do. And um, to go off of what you were saying, Blewett, I feel like it kind of ties back to every man is a hero of his own story. And so it gives you a good background of that. Like each character, you kind of see why they're coming from where they're coming from, which at the end of the day, I think just makes for a better story and a better movie. Right. Yeah. There wasn't a, there wasn't a super clear, like where the good guys were the bad guys. So, we got a lot of acting, we got a lot of character, we got a lot of story, we have a lot of Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I definitely wanted to kind of ask this question as a whole. So definitely looking at the empowerment of women in this film, um, I think looking at, and not that I think, that's really the only kind of Marvel superhero, hero, woman superhero that we've actually have her own movie in all these other movies that we currently have already seen. Um, and so that's a pretty big deal. Uh, I know the uh, release date was on International Women's Day, which is also a pretty big deal. And so I definitely wanted to kind of talk about that, this especially, um, this particular, uh, this movie. How does it feel? Like, does it, does it, does it feel empowering? Why do you, what, what's, how does the uh, release on International Women's Day, was there any sort of impact of for there? And kind of what's your overall kind of feelings for there, uh, for that question? So I'm going to start with Maddox, what you got? All right. Um, so I think for me, like the most impactful part of the movie was towards the end when it has the montage where she gets knocked down. I think she was talking to the Supreme being or whatever. And it has like her as a kid getting knocked down, like her and like the military getting knocked down. And just like in every single scene, she gets up and then she like she gets up at the end. Uh, I was like crying in the movie. Like that was like, that was such a good scene that I really enjoyed. And I, I think earlier I mentioned uh, one of the writers for Captain Marvel, Kelly Sue DeCornick. Um, she made a post earlier because there was a lot of backlash against the movie. And in an interview, she said that Carol always like falls down. And so does Captain America. But when Captain America gets up, he gets up because it's the right thing to do. You know, and like, and I think we see that in the movie, like there's all this sort of like, you know, righteousness to his character and he's kind of a goody two shoes. Uh, and then she says, Captain Marvel gets back up because fuck you. <laughs> um, and that is like very much her character in, in the comics. And I think it came through in this movie as well. Um, sure, she's doing it because it's the right thing, but she's also doing it because she just won't be shoved around. Um, and so I really love that about her character. There's like a toughness to it um, when she gets up or when she blasts the guy at the end. She's like, I don't have anything to prove to you. Um, so I, I really enjoy that about her character. And I think it's also really important that there's no love interest for her in this movie, which I mentioned earlier. Like, like 
that is a big deal. Um, they don't hint at it. They don't float around in it. In any of the flashback scenes, she doesn't have a love interest. Um, it actually occurred to me at the beginning of this podcast, but her best friend also doesn't have a love interest. Her best friend is a single mom. Um, I like, have a daughter. It was a daughter. Like yeah. <laughs> so you have like three, like in between like the scientist woman, you have three women who are leads in this movies. None of them mention dating, husbands, boyfriends, partners. Like, it's just not brought up. Um, and that is a, that's fucking awesome. Like, it's a big deal that uh, we haven't gotten in any other, like, superhero movie, really. Like, even, like, the male superhero movies, they all have love interests. Yeah, that, that, was, that was pretty much all of, all of my stuff. Gotcha. Megan, what you got? Um, all of that. Um, as I said in the video teaser trailer, I feel like this movie did everything that I wanted Wonder Woman to do. I walked out of it like it didn't feel cheapened by a love interest. And the all of the main characters, like you were saying, were female. You've got um, like a captain on the Air Force. You've got the two women on the Air Force. You've got a daughter. So many of the people in the movie were strong female leads who had nothing else going on except being fucking awesome and i think the like just still talking about the standing up scene gives me chills and it's one of those where they kept saying you know um you're being too emotional you can't you know overpower this if you're constantly focusing on your emotions and i feel like in that last scene she did this really beautiful thing where you could kind of just see all of the rage flowing through her and she takes that emotion and uses it against Jude Law and um, it kind of goes to show like you can take that emotion and you can use it and you can be really powerful and I like that they kind of took exactly what he said and flipped it on its head Um, so many things that they did throughout it kind of did that same thing and all I can say is it was great. Yeah. And I feel like they, in every instance throughout the movie, they just took that empowerment and, um, you know, maybe, maybe it felt heavy handed, right. Being on international women's day that everything was so like, Oh, you're a woman. You can't do it. But at the end of the day, I think that's what made it more powerful is they're like, you know what? I'm not going to back down. I'm going to make that the key to this movie. And I appreciated that. Yeah, I mean, I can't agree with you more on all these points and kind of going off of both what you said, Megan and Maddox. Uh, and Maddox, you kind of brought this up and I was like curious and I was like looking back at these women, you know, these characters, but not really, right? These women that are being portrayed in this movie, they're all pilots. But then if we take a step further, right, you have a single mother, which really have really one mother character in this movie. We don't know who Carol Danvers' mother is. All we know is her weird backstory is her terrible fucking father and brother. I don't know if her brother was terrible, but it seems like he would be terrible. So whatever. <laughs> but so we have those three characters, right? We have a single mother, we have a superhero, and we have a doctor. Now all of them are actually kind of pilots too and so this movie is absolutely bursting with positive female characters to the point where they even give you a size and references to amelia Earhart, and it's it happens so quick but it's like oh my gosh like this is great to the point where we have flashbacks and you just see them having a good time just hanging out in like the bar and like having karaoke and it has like really nothing to do with uh any of the um 
well, any of the men in the toxic masculinity that we've seen in literally all the other films that we in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that it, it really blew me away, and I was really ex- kind of excited to talk about this also with kind of Emma because I was sitting there like, did did this like empower you? And I literally asked her that as I'm like trying to drive him because it empowered me, and obviously I'm I'm not a woman and I don't identify as a woman, and so I thought that was kind of great. And then I started thinking even more. I'm like damn, I'm really upset about Wrinkle in Time and Wonder Woman. Like, why mm. couldn't y'all do this? Mm-hmm. Like, this is this is really upsetting because... Wrinkle in Time could have done so much. Ooh, so Megan, many strong female characters. If, Megan, I wish oh, you were there for that recording because <laughs> holy shit. Did you read shit, the book? Did I didn't. The book no, but Brylin, I think Blewett did. Uh, yeah, I and read I was, it. I read I was, it. Just so sad. So, yeah. but I think you know, as I look and I watch a lot of these movies, a lot of these films, especially these huge billion-dollar-making um, films, I think of like my nieces and nephews and my god uh, daughters, and you know, I always look at them. They're like, you know. T- uh, a lot of them older, but some of them were like teenagers, like 15, 16, like you definitely kind of getting older. And like, I really kind of talked to them. I was like, Hey, I know you saw this movie though. What did you think about it? And I asked her after wonder woman, I asked her about wrinkle in time. And so I'm really curious to kind of ask her about this movie and this film and how this resonates with her, because we've seen the little guy. And again, all these things that we've talked about, we've seen this happen so many times is just refreshing to see it here. And Kind of going off of what you were saying before, Megan, I, I, although I really wish that this movie came out last year, I'm kind of glad it came out this year as the first Marvel film, because this is kind of like the, that, that launching point to say, Same this is film. what movies, yeah, this is what movies can be. Like, we saw that at Black Black Panther, where we have positive African-American uh, uh, like figures in that movie, and that was rare. Like, we didn't really see it, right? Blade, which is, come on. So... We now have this particular kind of movement, I feel like, which is super positive and super impactful. And we starting off this 2019 year with a president who doesn't really give a shit about women, I feel like. And so I, I, I really like the fact that I understand that they had to delay it, but I'm glad they put it in 2019 because we don't have to worry about 2018 that was really filled with Infinity War and all the other like duels and sequels. Now, I know that Endgame's going to come, and I know there's another movie probably later on this year. I know that other movies are going to come, and I get that in this same year, but at least where this movie and where this year started, I think that's where it can be impactful if you can kind of do this first fairly within the first 90 days of them yeah within the first 90 days of the actual year i think that's what makes it i I, i'm glad it it does kind of feel empowering um for women and that uh, i'm glad that people are liking it that's why i was surprised that i knew that people are going to be backlash i knew that people are going to be upset these those dudes whatever um but I, I love the movie, and I'm really glad that it has like those characters that you can kind of stand behind and said, "Yeah, we these are humans. Like these characters aren't just things that people have wrote down in paper. Like they have manifested into what people can be and things that they can achieve." So I'm really, really excited about that, especially coming from like a single uh, parent family, single mom family. So I'm like, "Oh, I was all I was all over that." I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> this is amazing." So I think that was yeah. uh, that was actually great. One of my favorite lines within that was when they were talking about the location of the lab and they're like, Oh, I had my scientist on this, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, uh, it's an orbit. It's basic physics. And I thought that was fantastic. Cause you're, you're not just like strong women with no love interest, but you've got like the STEM subjects, you know, science, technology, engineering, math, and you've got these 
young girls, the daughter who's like so interested in this. And yeah, she better become a physicist in like the next movie because that's going to be fucking awesome. Oh, I just have a thought. I really wish the daughter would have actually f- figured out the coordinate before the scientist. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's so good. That would have been great. But it's okay. That's <laughs> okay. I'm done with my rant. Uh, Bradley, what you got? Uh, I would say, like, does this movie feel like it's empowering for women? I would say the answer is yes. Um, I would say there's a lot of cool scenes in here, especially that speak to just female friendship. I mean, the relationship that grows with Monica and Carol through this movie is fantastic. And I would say for the superhero more part of it, I mean, there is a fantastic scene with her overpowering a artificial intelligence, which is supposed to be omnipotent and not feeling and very objective and biased and not and not have any of these weaknesses that human emotions will cause you to have. But we see that Carol can even overcome that. And thus, that whole scene where she's able to get that restraint off her neck and just bring her powers to fruition is fantastic. And I think that will definitely make a lot of people cheer in the audiences. It definitely made my audience cheer. And I think it's... um going to mean a lot to a lot of women out there as well uh i think uh what's really cool is getting back up is the one of the most important things of this movie that yeah we can't ever guarantee that you're not going to get knocked down you will get knocked down in your life that's just a given but it's very important to get back up and i think that's really cool especially at least in the comics like Captain America, he learns that from his mom because she always got back up from her abusive relationships. Uh, and um, as a kid that came from a single parent household as well, I love you, mom. Um, I definitely have always been surrounded by just strong, tough women in my life and that have been through a lot, but they've definitely sacrificed a lot for me and my brother. And so I appreciate that they're getting their due right now. So I really like that a lot. And um, also, like I have a new niece who's about two months old. And so I think I'm going to get her a Captain Marvel onesie. Yeah. Nice. Good stuff. Well, what you got? Yes. Uh, so I thought this was very empowering. I, honestly, uh, hot take right here. I thought uh, Black Panther did uh, women empowerment a little bit better um, than this. Um, I thought the False. I, oh, I love. I the, see where you're coming from. The, though the three female leads in Black Panther were freaking amazing. Awesome. Um, and but I will say this. So representation matters. Um, and so even without taking even without the, the content of this film and the quality of this film, um, I, I think it's not impossible to put yourself in someone like uh, black for, for me, like Black Widow shoes, like when she does all those spin throws. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like that. Ah, I wish I could do that. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> that being said, it gets unbelievably easier if you look like the person that you're looking at. So, you know, as, as a white guy, I can kind of picture myself a little easier as Captain America. And so to finally see, uh, um, 
I, yeah, I've got the I've got the biceps. I can bi- curl a helicopter. You know, but like, but but seriously, to have a movie with with a female lead, um, for all those folks out there that you know, you'd need something to look up to. Um, if a comic book movie can do that, that's freaking awesome, and that should be applauded. And with that, <laughs> we're going to move into our conclusion. So let's talk about, you know, our lasting thoughts for the movie. What we recommended, if we would recommend this movie for everybody who's clearly hanging out still with us, uh, listening to this. Uh, if you were to recommend this movie, what other films may you um, suggest for people to watch beforehand? Brylin, what you got? Uh, yeah, so I think this is definitely uh, one of the better Marvel origin films, um, and I think it's definitely worth watching. Uh, Brie Larson's awesome as Captain Marvel. Carol Danvers is a fun character. Can't wait to see what she does next. I just wish they didn't do that bullshit with Nick Fury, and that's my only big gripe about it. It's just a little heavy-handed with the 90s stuff, uh, but other than that, great film um and i'm also excited because we only have to wait another month for another captain marvel film haha zing zing uh and um and then yes i am totally ready for endgame uh they better introduce a lawyer named jennifer walters in endgame and that would make me so excited for the next section of mcu that we get so uh yeah bring more of these strong lady characters that are in the marvel universe into the mcu because we've shown that it's fun and exciting and awesome and yes disgusting cat puking noises are eternal (laughs) maddox what about you lasting thoughts oh and uh thanks for the shout out to memphis nick fury i appreciated that at least Um, so, I mean, obviously, I, I love this movie and can't recommend it enough. Um, in general, I've loved all the Marvel movies. So, I mean, if you haven't watched them, you should watch all of them, except maybe Thor 1 and 2. Just read, like, the Wikipedia on them to, like, get the general idea and, and you're fine. Um, in terms of things, other things I'd recommend, not movie related, but if you want more kind of fun Captain Marvel um the Spider-Woman trade from 2016, I think. Uh, it's the one where she gives birth to her kid. Captain Marvel is a major character in it. And it's a really, like, the run is hilarious. Um, and it's, like, a really fun friendship between two women. Um, and honestly, it's probably one of my, like, favorite story arcs over the last decade in comics. Um, so that might be related, but if you have more interest in comics and Captain Marvel... Spider Woman trade from a couple of years ago is really good. It's the one where she's uh, pregnant on the cover, so <laughs> pretty easy to identify. Um, I definitely recommend this movie um, by far. Uh, everything anybody actually said uh, already. I think the only thing I would tell if you haven't seen any of the Marvel films, I mean, definitely go watch them. You can do that. There's a lot of YouTube videos that people also sum up to, so that may be a little bit easier for you, but if you can do the marathon, feel free. I've done too many marathons of them. Um, so, <laughs> uh, Get so your I diapers ready, Warren. Yeah, for sure, bro. It all depends. Here we go. Uh, and so, if it's if it's something that you have time for, definitely go check it out. I mean, they sell some of these tickets that are like 60, 70 bucks that just shows all the movies. Um, so it's a lot of fun, but you know, it's, it's a lot of movies. Um, 
but definitely go watch this film. I mean, just about everything that we've kind of talked about today, like this film is like absolutely like amazing. So uh, I don't necessarily know where it kind of ranks right now because I haven't just looked at the entire rankings of everything, but this is definitely in the upper, you know, upper top five um, by far, but by far my favorite origin film um, by a far margin. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah. Megan, what you got? Um, I also would recommend it to anyone and everyone. I don't think that you need to watch any other Marvel movie before watching it. If you don't feel like you want to or have the time, Um, if you don't care about Marvel movies or the Marvel universe, you should still watch this movie because it's fantastic. Um, I don't have a ranking for Marvel movies, but I did love Black Panther, Ragnarok, um, saw Ant-Man for the first time recently. Love that. I think all of them have a little bit of that kind of sense of humor that I really enjoy in some of these Marvel movies. So if I had to recommend any of them, I would recommend those, but I definitely don't think it's something that you need to know the entire universe before watching it. Um, and it's certainly worth seeing no matter what. For sure. Blew it. Send us off. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a solid intro movie, uh, pretty much on par with like, I mean, I think Iron Man is the gold standard of all of them. Um, and then like Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Captain Marvel kind of all fall in that like secondary slot. Excited to see where she goes, though. I, there was a lot of really cool stuff that they introduced um, that I can't wait to see be developed. Sure. And with that, we are the Down in Front Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, thank you so much, Megan, and thank you so much, Maddox, for kind of hanging out with us tonight. Brylin Blewett, eh, you guys are always here. Uh, <laughs> Maddox, where can people find more your work on the interwebs, and what do you do online, if anything? So these days, I am mostly active on Instagram. Uh, my handle is shutter.siren. Um, and I mostly post uh, burlesque photos from different scenes in Boston. Nice. Did definitely go check that out. <laughs> uh, Rylan, where can people find more your work on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me wearing slap bracelets and playing with pogs on Twitter at Brylan, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. I am from the 90s. Don't forget that. And you can also find me posting many movie and TV reviews on Instagram at I am Brylan. I recently put up my very correct and accurate list of the MCU movies in order. <laughs> so definitely check that out. I'd love to hear your thoughts, not just saying you're wrong and then just leaving. Give us some context you know have a conversation it might help damn it i was waiting all night for you to call me out on that i didn't say anything i was waiting for this moment (laughs) (laughs) shit he got me uh megan where can people find more of your work on the interwebs uh you can find me drinking wine all day every day at friends with blends friends w blends um instagram twitter facebook wherever um I think we have a website too. I don't know. I post pictures and drink wine. It's cool. <laughs> Sounds like a good life. See nothing wrong with that. Uh, I am excited though that they didn't play that song in this movie. I get not down, but I get up again. Mm-hmm. I was really was really nervous that they was going to play that, and I'm glad they didn't. So, so they played. I'm just a girl, which is, I think was great. Some people don't. I guess they're yeah. saving spider webs for Far From Home. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, the Shredder, where can people find more of your work and what shows you got coming up? Uh, yeah, so uh, we're not playing on 420. There's a story to that. I'm not going to go into it. But uh, you can find us at Mayanese Music or Mayanese Band on most major platforms. Uh, re-releasing an old EP sometime soon and have a new EP coming out also soon. Um, this is creepy, but uh, you can check us out. We have a new YouTube channel called Jesse Rand Explains the 90s to Children. Um, I swear to God, it's more wholesome than it sounds. This is like why a- to children? Because they're not why from the they're not from the 90s. Think- they don't know it. So he's but why ex- can't you just chop it off with Jesse Rand explains the nineties? The children part is because <laughs> yeah. well, no, it's wholesome. Have he's you like, met Mike Lewis? he's like, he's Jesse Rand's talking about how like stuff they might have missed from. Well, you never been to Reading Days at your local library or right. something as a child? Oh, yo! When all the, the book fair. Yep. That was the best day the ever. The Scholastic Book Fair. Yep. Oh yeah, I oh, love this. Yeah. yeah see, people the saved children, all my money for that week. Don't know about this, and Jesse Rand <laughs> needs to educate them. That's not old. I thought Jesse was a baby. Ah, he's like turning. Uh, yeah, he's, he's only. He's forty-six. He's only like, Let's see, I'm ninety-seven, so he's. Are you describing the year he was born or the no, age? the age? Yeah, the age. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Younger, younger side of the age eighty-two, easy. <laughs> we are the Down in Front podcast. Check out more of our work at downinfrontpodcast.com, where you can find uh, our small bios. You can have our video teasers. We have our last cause there. We have a lot of amazing artwork by the one and only marvelous Mocha himself, who couldn't be on. So definitely go check out our work for there. Um, we're going to be on just about almost every sort of social media platform. So we're on Spotify if you want to listen to us for there for streaming. Uh, we're going to be on Reddit. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. I mean, like literally everywhere. Just type in Down to Front Podcast. Um, on uh, Twitter, we're at, at underscore JFP. At Facebook, we're at Facebook.com slash Down in Front Podcast. If you want to hang out with Reddit, we're going to be on there for downinfront.reddit.com. Um, if you like what we do, you want to kind of sign up to be a patron, consider becoming a patron. Patreon.com slash Down in Front Podcast. We're kind of revamping this system to give you bonus episodes and kind of more content and other kind of smaller sort of reviews, too, of things that we don't really get a chance to kind of talk about. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Senior Brylin, what's our next review? Our next review is Captive State. What? Yes. I don't even know what that is. I, it's a movie. <laughs> I feel like it, that's going to be an easy sure? Jesse Rand type solution. I love going into blind for these movies, but I really need to start looking at some of these things I vote for. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Okay. I'm in you. It's okay. Perfect. Well, I voted for. I think I voted for this. So I, yeah, I, sh- I think I should know what this is. Right, what whatever. were the other options? We'll find out. Right uh, it doesn't matter what the other options are. Oh, sorry, that was last week. Boys, uh, thanks everybody. Have a good night. Bye. 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 I can take a look.